I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional, Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. I hope your week is going really well. Today, we are so excited to have Colleen Sedgwick, the pet nanny coach, on to discuss her background in pet care, what 2020 has been like for her, and how she sees the industry moving forward. This is a jam-packed episode, so grab your pen, grab your paper, and let's get started. Hello, Colin. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this opportunity. So I guess I should start at the beginning of my pet sitting career, which began in 2001. I was teaching special education. I taught seven-year-olds with Down syndrome. And after my first year in the classroom, I felt um, kind of felt trapped. I couldn't stand being in that enclosed space all day. And I knew that this was not the career path that I wanted to take. I loved the children. I loved teaching them. It was super rewarding. However, when the day was done, I did not, I felt exhausted. I felt wiped out and I couldn't stand again, being in that classroom all day, like in the walls. And I pretty much had a breakdown. I drove down to the shore to talk to my parents, my mom and my dad about what I should do. I just, you know, just graduated from school, had my degree in special ed. And my mom said, well, if there's anything in the world you could do, what would you choose? And I kind of responded in jest. Well, I'd like to play with dogs all day. It's kind of as a joke. And she said, well, that's not a bad idea because I just sold a house to a woman that makes over a hundred thousand a year walking dogs. And then like the bells and whistles went off in my head. I said, what? Six figures walking dogs. I was like, no way. So I thought about it and I decided during my second year of teaching is when I came up with my business plan to open my business um, the following year. And since then, you know, the first five years I did it by myself. I walked dogs. I stayed at people's houses. I did pet sitting. I worked seven days a week, 365 days a year. I was exhausted again. And I came to another decision. Is this something that I want to pursue? Is this a lifestyle that I wanted? I mean, I started the career. My big why was the freedom to be outside of those, the walls of the classroom and be able to be outside and be with dogs. But I ended up in a situation where I was working around the clock every day of the year and I was unhappy. So at that time, I was going to leave and go to, uh, into pharmaceutical sales. And then I don't know what changed, but I decided, you know what, I'm not, I'm going to stick with this, but I'm going to learn about business. I'm going to learn about how to actually run this operation as a business. And I hired a business coach and I attended seminars and I read books and I started hiring pet sitters and slowly but surely the business quickly, quickly multiplied into what I have today, which is um, a company that employs 40 pet sitters. I have three managers and I work one hour a week in my pet sitting business. And it's super rewarding and I absolutely love it and I'm proud of it. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's the short of it, the long and short of it. That is quite the journey uh, through that process. And there's, there's so much to dive into there. What yeah. was it like moving from the classroom to, to walking dogs, what kind of skills do you think you brought with you whenever you first started that, that business? Well, I think the number one thing was being an animal lover, obviously. I mean, I absolutely adore the animals, but I also have, you know, being a special ed teacher as well as taking care of really uh, children during my high school 
years, I had that caregiving ability. I had like a warmth about me that my clients really liked. They knew that I absolutely loved their pets and would take wonderful care of them. I also took amazing care of their homes as well. Everything was cleaner than the way I found it when they got back. And that's what I brought to the table. Other than that, my personality, my love for animals, my organizational skills, I didn't really have any business skills to start, but that got me going and that got me a client base. So with over 40 sitters that work for you now, what's it like managing that and staying in touch with the managers that you have in the field? So the management of the sitters is really important because you know you need to make sure that you have a connection with each of these people because these people are the backbone of your business. They're the ones going out representing you. And you want to ensure that they are living up to the standards of your company and keeping up with the reputation that you've built for yourself. So making sure that you have a strong management team that's keeping in touch with them on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, um, proper training, making sure they understand what their the expectations are before you know they get out into the field, understanding what their role is with the company and making sure that they understand we're here to give you know top-notch pet care with stellar communication, 100% guaranteed um, is really important. And having that management staff to make sure that they are all, they understand the big picture of everything and they're keeping up with these sitters on a regular basis, really important. Yeah, they, they mentioned they are your backbone, a valuable employee is worth so much more to the company than any number of of cut of clients that you could bring in the door because that that value add whenever they're working on the team whenever they are uh, with it and and want to see it succeed like you can't can't just can't ask for anything better than that no absolutely not at some point in there you said after about five years you started to feel burned out again and you decided to make that decision to run it like a business what does what does that mean and what was that like running a business? without a background in business? I mean, you had to learn everything. I read this book called The E-Myth, Revisited. Have you read this one? I haven't. Oh, it's amazing. You need to read it. Um, and it really was the impetus for me to understand that my role as a business owner is not to be the one doing the client work. Your role as the business owner is to create a repeatable, reputable process that you can delegate to a team to do the client work. And your role as the owner is to continuously grow the business and market the business to bring in more customers. But you really need to create that strong foundation first of having your systems and processes in place that are completely replicable, as I already said, having your financial systems in place. I mean, I was running everything out of a single bank account for years. I mean, I look back, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I, you know, I, I would cringe when tax time came. I'm like, what am I going to owe? Am I going to owe anything? You know, I, I didn't know anything. I didn't understand, you know, the importance of marketing on a continuous, consistent, regular basis so that you always had a pipeline of new business coming to your company. Um, these were all things that I had to learn. You have to, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And I pretty much just went on that journey and I sought out mentors and coaches that knew what they were doing about business. But back then there were no like pet sitting coaches, quote unquote. So I kind of had to take what I learned and apply it to the service-based pet sitting business. But, you know, I put the time in, I invested in myself and it's paid me back dividends. Yeah. So many of us find ourselves in that situation of, I love pets. I would do this basically for free. And, oh, you look up five years later and you go, oh, uh, I guess this is actually a business. I should start taking this seriously. And, <laughs> and that, that's, that just happens time and time again. So I, 
was interested as to what advice or resources you would give to other people who are in that same situation of trying to make that decision of getting serious about it and, and, and making it an actual business. So the big thing I think for me, I teach a, um, a team building business model. Okay. So I believe that in this industry to create a substantial income, you need to delegate the client work to a team of pet sitters. That's like the first big decision you need to make. Not saying you can't be a solo sitter and have your own business. It just is going to look a little different, but you're going to start making more and more money as you you build your team. So that's kind of the big decision. See if that's really the, the path that you want to go. If not, you can still lay an amazing foundation. You can um, read books. You can go to my blog at petnannycoach.com forward slash blog. I have tons of free videos. I have tons of free resources, but you still should have a foundation laid for your company where everything is repeatable, everything is replicable, and you are blowing the sacks off all of your new customers and um, really going above and beyond to create an amazing customer experience for your client. It's that scalability. It's that, I, I think of it in the, the 10X rule of, if I had to personally do this 10 more times, could right. I keep that up? Like, okay, let's add another zero. Let's add another zero and go, oh, Nope, I'm not making my, you know, my 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 bespoke knitted sweaters for every one of my clients after I leave because that's I I can't do that. <laughs> that's exactly right. I teach my students. You know, I have a lot of students who are still doing all the meet and greets for their company. They may have delegated the pet sitting visits, but I say if you you're bringing in ten or twenty new customers a week, are you going to be able to keep that up exactly to the point that you just made? Now, at some point, you started coaching other pet business owners. Yeah. What did what what did that look like and and why did you decide to get into coaching? Well, I think I just noticed a need in the marketplace. Uh people were coming to me saying, "Hey, um I heard you have this amazing pet sitting business. Can you teach me how to do it?" And I thought, "Well, you know, I'm not a business coach. Like that's not really something that I do." But it got me thinking, and then I started helping people kind of pro bono and I was getting them results pretty much by just teaching them the whole model that I had built and the strategies that I had in place. And they were getting these amazing results. And then when that happened, I thought, okay, I need to make a go of this. And originally I decided just to be like value add for a year. You know, I just was going to add value. I was going to create videos. I was going to write blogs. I was going to create resources for pet sitters who were looking to grow their business. And that's exactly what I did. I didn't sell anything. I didn't, make any offers. I just said, I'm here for you. And from there, I built a really wonderful community around me. And then from then, from there, I developed different programs and products to, um, you know, help my students and community even further. So what kind of coaching do you do now? I do business coaching. So uh, we help people who are launching their business. So brand new newbies who have, Mm. you know, haven't even started yet. Then we have our growers. These are my students who have clients or sorry, they need clients, okay? So they have a few clients, they're having difficulty getting a regular pipeline of new clients to their business. So the goal of them, for them, is to get more clients. And then we have our multipliers. These are the sitters who have clients, they're making money, but they're working 365 days a year, and they need systems, processes, and team to scale their business Hmm. to six figures and beyond. Thinking back to your when you were doing the, the, the pet sitting, what kind of lessons have you brought over into the coaching and the way you, you relate that information to pet sitters? 
Well, I think the, the big thing is organization. And if you know any of my students will tell you that I am like the most organized person you'd ever meet. So one of the big things I teach my students is how to organize their business in an online business hub, having everything completely organized in terms of all of their client files, all of their marketing systems, all of their team building systems, everything is all built out with standard operating procedures. This is something that I kind of uh, am inherently good at that I got even better at when I was pet sitting. And then I also teaching them that trying to be warm and caring and always putting yourself in the shoes of your clients is the big mm. thing. You have to present yourself and your company as someone that knows and understands and identifies what these pet owners are going through when they have to leave their very loved ones at home alone. Um, and then present yourself as the solution to can ease their worry and give them peace of mind when they're traveling. Yeah, being able to connect with them and understand where they're coming from. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like that's kind of a, a fine line to balance because I, you can go into that side where you you empathize a little too much and you start letting them drop off really late or or cancel way too late or not want to pay your full fee all the time. So how do you balance that with empathizing and yet allowing and still running it like a business. You can still have boundaries and be yeah. an empathetic, caring individual and business owner. The easiest, I was not good at this forever. So no judgment to anyone that's letting their customers kind of walk all over them because I was like the number one culprit with this. Um, the best thing I ever did to, to deal with that issue was to hire a manager. It's mm -hmm. kind of putting someone between me and the customer and that person's job is to uphold my policies and my procedures. And then if anything needed to be escalated, then I, I still step into this day. But um, that was like the best way for me to deal with it because I had a difficult time saying no. I had a difficult time, you know, standing up for myself. But I do try to teach my students that that is very important. If they're not at the, you know, hiring a manager step yet, that you can still have boundaries and you can still be a caring and empathetic business owner. Boundaries is one of the things that I think we all struggle with because we do want to provide the best care at all times for all cases and setting some, some notes and whether that's policies and procedures that outline that and having people actually sign them and verify that they read them and, and then sticking to that. And I love the idea of going, okay, if, if that's hard for you and you're in the position, put a manager in there, that's their only job. Like that's in, um, among other things. Right. right. They're just following the rules of the business. Right. <laughs> they don't make the policy. They just follow it. On, on hiring a manager, if someone is in that position, what do they look for in a manager versus uh, a, a pet sitter, the dog walker of the company? Oh, my goodness. So for me, um, the manager, I look for people that have opposite personality traits as I do. Mm -hmm. All right. So I look for somebody that can compliment me versus be me. All right. So I've had many managers over my 20 years in business. And the one, Sue, has been with me for eight years now. And we did a personality test. And there's four quadrants of the personality test. And let's say I'm in, all my personality traits are in one and four. All of hers are in two and three. And we've, we're like this perfect pairing to work together because mm. we complement each other. Um, that would be the best. I've had managers that are just like me. And it hasn't gone so well, you know, because I need people that have different traits than I have that can bring other benefits to the table versus, you know, being like a mini me. Does that make well, sense? Yeah, no, it really does. It is because what, what that brings to my mind, too, is people who are running their businesses with like a best friend or a significant other. 
and the complementary ways of thinking and and boundaries that have to be set with there too of of what roles each person is playing and having those clearly lined out so that you're right you don't have a mini me that sometimes it's it's hard to get along with yourself and if they're right. external it's even more difficult <laughs> nicely yeah <laughs> i am i am curious um how 2020 has been for you? Well, 2020 has been tough for me, as you know, but you know, we had COVID hit. Well, first, let me start. I had E. coli. I went to Jamaica, <laughs> came home oh. with E. coli uh, right before COVID hit. I was super sick for three weeks with that. Then COVID hits, the business needs to get shut down um, completely, which mm. was difficult. The pet nanny business shut down completely. Then my father got sick during COVID, was in the hospital. I was unable to visit him and he ended up passing away in the hospital. And then as we know, now we have the, uh, the riots happening. Philadelphia, where, which is where I live, is in, um, in shambles right now. So this has been the absolute most difficult year of my life, but I am doing a lot right now to protect my energy. I'm doing a lot of meditation. I'm doing a lot of journaling. I'm only you know, listening to the media in the morning and then I cut it off for the day because it's just too much inundation of negativity. And I'm just trying to grieve my father. And um, I know in my heart of hearts that business is going to come back. It's going to come back like gangbusters and I can't wait. And I'll be ready when <laughs> we open up, which is going to be shortly. But um, it's been a tough one. It's been a tough one for sure. I am lucky that I have a diversified income with Pet Nanny Coach, mm-hmm. something that I am really going to think about in uh, 20, the rest of the year is how I can help other pet sitters diversify their incomes with having some type of online component, whether it's affiliate marketing, whether it's um, you know selling products online. Uh, I'm just kind of brainstorming now about how I can help other pet sitters have diversified income streams because when Pet Nanny shut down, I mean, I have one of the biggest pet sitting companies in the country. I mean, it was like, a, it was devastating, honestly. Yeah. But without Pet Nanny Coach, I mean, I don't really know what I would have done. So if I could help other people have something else to fall back on, that I would feel good. I'd feel really good. So that's a goal of mine for sure. We're all looking around going, how can we diversify? What? How can we make it a little bit more robust moving forward? I know it looks different for, for everybody. What was it like for you shutting down. Uh, what would that process look like for you? And, and emotionally, how, how was that? I think I was just scared to death when this whole thing first came out, as all of us were. And I just did not want my sitters in any way, shape or form putting themselves at risk. So it was, mm. you know, pretty quickly, I shut things, I shut things down a lot quicker than even most of my students did because as of that reason, I just didn't want to put anybody at risk. Not like anyone wants to put anybody at risk. But that was just my personal feeling. Sure. And I I thought it was 15 days to slow the curve. Then I thought it was 30 days to slow the curve. And then when it kept going, I was like, what the heck is going on? And I would get, I'd have days where I would be panicky. And then I'd have other days where I would be like, okay, I'm just going to, there's nothing I can do about this. So like really trying to work on my mindset and putting myself in a positive place when I woke up, but not saying I didn't have my freak out times for sure. And at this point, like go and let God, my friend, that's the way I'm looking at it because Nothing else I can do, but I think we're right around the corner from everybody opening up, and I'm I'm super psyched. I think there was that time where we were all grappling with what is in my control and what's outside of my control, and I think we, I hope, I know, I know, Megan and I went through that process, and we found that there was actually quite a bit that was still in our control as far as 
ourselves and our house and our family, things that we could interact with and still do. And that process built some a little bit more resiliency in all of us. Uh, and and uh, moving forward, I, I hope that those stick around. Now, amongst all of this, I see people posting a lot about that they are just starting being a pet sitter. And so I was wondering how you would encourage brand new pet sitters in 2020. How I would encourage? Well, I think that we are on the precipice of a huge boom in the pet sitting industry. I mean, my goodness, people were buying dogs, adopting dogs left and right during this crisis. Um, not that there wasn't already a huge need for pet sitters and uh, for pet lovers in this industry, but I think that it's an amazing opportunity. I truly do. If you love and adore animals, if you want to create a business, um, you can absolutely do it. I think you need to have the right mindset. I think you need to have a clear vision of what you want to create. So many of us, including myself, had no clear vision when we started. I just threw myself into it, started walking dogs. And before I knew it, I had this like kind of like booming business with no idea what to do with it. So I think if you are just starting out, getting really clear on your what, what do you want to create? in your business and your life? And why do you want to create it? Being really clear on your what and your why is super important as a new pet sitter. It's, uh, it's giving yourself a map for the results that you want to create in your life and in your business. Making it your own and, and personal and so that you know, years from now, you can look back and go, yeah, this is, this is what I wanted. Not that things can't change or should change and be adaptable, but uh, that taking those few moments before you, you start walking really do help that, that motion forward and keep that momentum moving through, through good times and bad. Have you heard about Time to Pet? Claire from Acton Critter Sitters has this to say. Time to Pet has honestly revolutionized how we do business. My sitters can work much more independently because they have ongoing access to customer and pet information without relying on me. I save hours upon hours of administrative time on billing, processing payments, and generating paychecks. If you are looking for a new pet sitting software for your business, give Time to Pet a try. As a listener of Pet Sitter Confessional, you'll get 50% off your first three months when you sign up at timetopet.com confessional. I do want to know your perspective on the impact that you think COVID-19 will have on for the long term of, for the pet care industry. I think it's going to have to, we're going to have to set the businesses up with precautions that are going to make our clients feel safe. I think it's going to go away. I don't think it's going to be something that's going to be around forever. And I think things will probably go back to the way they were, um, just like a lot of these pandemics that have hit before. But again, going back to that diversified income, I think it's really important that service-based businesses like pet sitting businesses should really think about um, ways to create different income streams for themselves in case anything like this ever happens again, which we know it will, right? I mean, something along the lines of it. Um, yeah, but then again, always making sure that our customers are feeling really cared for and listened to, and they feel like the safety precautions are being put in place. And they know that you know what you're talking about. They know that you have everything in place um, to make them feel safe and their animals feel safe, I think is important. People are going to be looking for that. These are kind of, some of these things are ingrained of, okay, what's the expectation for mask wearing and for wiping things down and for uh, wearing gloves or social distancing and how you communicate that to your clients will be huge going forward, both both new clients and existing clients to let them know that, you know, these are the precautions. I love that of 
how are you going to make them feel safe? Right. Uh, it's to, so that they are okay with, with using your services. And it goes back to what I've said from day one, you need to be able to give your clients peace of mind. We, they have a problem. They have to leave their beloved fairy pals at home alone. You are their problem solver. You are the solution to that problem. And that solution is giving them peace of mind. So right now, everyone's minds are racing about this COVID-19 pandemic and you're their problem solver and you need to give them peace of mind that you got it covered. You mentioned a book earlier as far as was really influential to you, but I was curious if what other influential book has been in your life, uh, whether for your business or, or personally? Oh, I've got a good one. The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Have you heard of this one? I have not. I, you're giving me such a reading list already. This is... <laughs> I mean, that one is like super. So The E-Myth is more about business. Okay. Um, the Big Leap is more about internal stuff. So mm. basically it says that we all have an internal thermostat of how much love, joy, and success that we'll allow for ourselves. We each have a thermostat. And then as soon as we hit the top of that thermostat, then we start self-sabotaging ourselves to bring down that thermostat. It's like this, it's this, what, this kind of battle that goes in inside of all of us and learning how to let abundance into your life and let love and let joy and let success and keep raising that thermometer. Um, it just, it was life-changing. So mm-hmm. I suggest, I highly suggest it for everybody. I have a whole, uh, video on it as well. If you search my blog, um, about the big leap. Yeah. That, that idea of self-sabotage is, can come in such a varied ways. And there, I know they're different from person to person, but as you've coached pet professionals, what are some ways that you've seen people? I see a lot of procrastination, excuse making, you know, like they, Oh, I want to, I want to build this business. business. I want to build this business. I want to build this business. And then they don't show up and you don't do the work and you don't go through the curriculum and you don't apply what you learn and every excuse in the book as to why you're not doing this. All you're doing is sabotaging yourself. All you're doing is sabotaging your dreams and all you're doing is lying to yourself. So that is like the big one that comes up when with most of my students that I see is like the procrastination. Then you have other ones like the same students come in and they go through everything and they're, you know, watching the videos and they're going through the workbooks and they're applying everything and they're getting results. What is the difference? It's the same framework. It's the same program, but it's all what goes on up here and getting control of your mind, watching your thoughts, being aware. We all procrastinate. Hello. I mean, it's who we're humans, right? It's going to happen, but you need to be able to catch yourself when you're doing it and recognize it. Okay. I'm sabotaging myself right now. And you need to act in spite of that. You need to act in spite of fear. And that's, that's really, really hard is to, to catch yourself in the moment. Cause a yeah. lot of times we, and, and, and that, t- that, that just takes practice for, for all these things. Cause you, you start off and you'll be like, Oh uh, yeah. Yesterday I said I was going to do this and I didn't do it. And these were the reasons why uh, I and to learn from that and to practice that, that mindfulness, both in your business actions and your, your, your personal interactions. And that, that just takes, that just takes time. It takes practice to become the watcher of your thoughts. And it's also like groundbreaking when you start, when you tap into that and you start witnessing yourself and what's going on upstairs and catching yourself. Yeah. You're going to make, that's when I really see like breakthroughs happen when people really become mindful. With everything that's been going on in 2020, how has mindfulness been for for you? And and what are some things that you've been doing and working on? Yeah. So again, with my grief and my loss and 
just the way this year has gone. I mean, it's, I've never felt more connected to spirit than I have. I mean, just really making it part of my daily practice, like every single morning, making sure that I do my meditation, that I do my journaling, that I do a thought download, right? So getting all of these crazy thoughts out of our heads, Mm. putting them on paper, and then actually reading what you're thinking and then creating a new thought model saying, okay, I'm choosing to think about this differently. Mm. Making this a regular practice in my life has just if I didn't have this in place already, when all of this happened, I don't know. I don't know how I would have handled all of this. So much was thrown at me so quickly that um, it really has been, you know, life-saving quite honestly. Yeah. So really working, I highly suggest for anybody, I mean, whether you're a business owner or not is kind of making that connection with, um, with source and with spirit and with God and making sure that you're clearing your mind and starting your day off from a place of positivity Versus a place of reactivity and just getting in and getting in their emails and answering their phones and having no time to center yourself before you start your day is, you know, one of the best pieces of advice I could give. Many people would be familiar with the idea of writing down tasks that you have to do in a given day. And then because sometimes our minds can get cluttered with things we have to do. So writing them down really helps put that in concrete. But this the slight shift of writing down thoughts and ideas and doing writing that down. You need to declutter those as well. And you need to see exactly where, where your brain is and then going, hmm, why am I thinking about that? What, what, what is that going to do for the rest of my day? And, and, and doing that, you said being consistent with that. And uh, that's a skill that I think will really help us moving forward as, as we business get picked back up and we can push off fatigue and burnout a little bit more because those kind of things are really going to help us in our mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I pull a card every single morning. So like, here was mine today. You see it. Oh, Pretty. Yeah. It says when I make joy a priority, brilliant ideas will come naturally. Support will surround me and movements will form. So I pull one of these every day. It says something different every day, but then I lean it up right next to my computer. And I just look down at it when I start feeling negative. Um, any little things like this that you can do to try to keep you on the positive side of things, I think really help helps staying positive. That's not to discount the feelings that you have. That's not to yeah. discount the things that are going on. Some, sometimes I think people get the wrong idea of when someone says, Oh, you, you need to stay positive. We're not ignoring those bad feelings. We are just focusing on something a little different. We're shifting the mindset. We're shifting the framework that we're working in using those, maybe those, those bad emotions, those set, the sadness, the anger, the frustration to get us to a better place. And as business owners, when we have people relying on us, when we have uh, things to manage and things to stay organized, if, if we're not okay, personally, things can start coming unraveled and, and we can end up burnt out and wondering where on earth are we going? Yeah. Absolutely. As you talk to pet care professionals across the United States, what are some common concerns for their business that they're having and what kind of advice are you giving them? I think the biggest fear in dealing with uh, most of my students is the fear of hiring, the fear of doing that delegation. Nobody can take care good enough care of the pets as I can. Nobody is going to hire or use my business unless it's me. I have to do everything. I, 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 me, me, me. And what I really try to impress upon them is 
you can build an amazing team of amazing people that are going to take absolutely exceptional care of your clients. And that's truly how you're going to be able to support more pet owners in your community, as well as create um, a bigger income for yourself. And the more money that you bring into your life, the more people you can hire and the more you can give back to the charitable, um, the charitable organizations that you want to, or your time, it's all like this wonderful reciprocity that happens as you grow. And as you delegate, you hire these people into do into doing something that they absolutely love. And then you have more time and more money to give back to, you know, the pet community. So it's a win-win. Right. But a lot of people are fearful of it. They, they feel like it's not going to work out or they hire the wrong person once and then they're scared to do it again. You know, so, you know, I really teach these hiring systems about um, recruiting the right people and onboarding the right people and making sure that you have processes in place. By the time these people go out in the field, they are ready to go to do an amazing job. The, the fear can be such a driving factor for a lot of stuff that we do, both both personally and for our business. So. Uh, what would you tell somebody who who is really fearful of taking that next step? How would they start overcoming that? I think you need to make sure you have the foundation in place. So you you're not like putting an ad on Craigslist, having somebody come over to your house saying, "Okay, I think that you'll do a great job," and mm-hmm. sending them to one of your clients' houses. That is not the way to hire, right? <laughs> but if you have a whole system in place where you have an ideal sitter profile, you know the exact type of person that you're looking for. You have a well-formulated job ad and job application. You have a system in place where you're setting up um, trial and error for prospects to kind of jump through so you even know how they're going to be as a pet sitter before you even hire them. Or you might not even get to the step of even interviewing somebody because they missed these trial and error steps. You know, when you have that foundation Mm -hmm. laid, you're going to have more security in the people that you bring on and the people that you send to your clients' houses. So having all of that in place, I think, is really important before you make the big leap into hiring. So many people make the mistakes of just jumping in and hiring the first person that says they want to pet sit. And that's when things go wrong. Trust me. Hello. I've been there. Done it. So again, no judgment. Yeah. <laughs> but I've learned, again, learning these lessons and then applying them to your business. Yeah. yeah. That fear coming from what if I make the mistake? What if I do the wrong thing? What if, what if? And it, it, that's very focused on, on how you're going to react. So this idea of externalizing the process, externalizing the ideas, then you trust the process because it's over here and, and it's not going to, it doesn't reflect on you. It's this process that you've worked with others, you know, business coach, your friends to come in and, and help you develop that. And then just, you got, then you, it's not a, it's not a personal attack or it's not a personal thing. It's, it's a process, this thing over here. Precisely. And here's another thing. You're going to make mistakes. Mistakes are inevitable in life. I mean, that's another thing. Like it's not going to, your business is not going to run perfect 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Things are going to come up. Hiccups are going to happen. And it's how, but it's how you walk away from those mistakes and it's Mm -hmm. what you learn from them and then how you apply what you learn to your business as the business goes on and develops it's only going to get better and better and better. So not being fearful of making a mistake either, I think is hard for, for people. It, it, it really is because we most of the time have very high standards for ourselves or for the level of care that we're giving or high expectations on how things are going to, to move forward. But this idea of going, okay, I messed up. What can I do? What can I put in place? Who can I hire? Who can I bring on to make sure it doesn't happen again? And then you don't have to worry about it because you went through those proper steps. 
in, in a healthy way, not in a, oh, I'm never going to hire again. That you know, you know, hiring is, is awful or never going to do these kind of services again because those are awful. It's okay, what, let's, let's work through this and learn. Uh, and if that means asking for help or if that means taking a step back, like there are ways to navigate that. Yeah. Kind of in, in closing here, if there's one thing that you could have told yourself when you first started, what would it have been? When I first started, I would have told myself that you do not have to be the only person that does everything in this business. Mm-hmm. I was the person that did the pet sitting, the dog walking, the house sitting, the customer service calls, the emailing, the scheduling, the the books, the marketing, the hiring. I mean, everything. The team meeting, you know, whatever. I, I did not have to be the bottleneck in the business. Mm-hmm. When you remove yourself as the bottleneck, that is when things open up and then the abundance comes in. Delegating, hiring the right people. Um, It doesn't have to happen overnight, but slowly but surely, you are building the systems, processes, and team to give you the ability to create a profitable business. That is what I would have told myself. (laughs) (laughs) I I love it. We We do try and wear so many, so many hats. Right. And we, we have to be, and, and you stop wearing all the hats, stop it, you know, let someone else take care of that who, and, and trusting that that person's going to do a better job than you could because they're more focused. Maybe that's exactly what they went to school for. That's exactly where their skill set lies. It's this trust again. We're trusting processes, we're trusting people. And as you said, that, that allows you to, to, to focus on other roles that, that you want to take on in the business. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, Colleen, Thank you so much for coming on. I, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. And I know there's so many more unanswered questions and things that people are going to have running around in their brain. So if people want to connect, reach out and, and ask more questions from you, how can they do that and follow along with everything that you're doing these days? Okay. Well, you can go to my website at petnannycoach.com or you can join our free Facebook group at petnannycoachcommunity.com. That is where we turn our passion for pets into paychecks. It's all about business and supporting each other during the business building process. And I have my uh, YouTube page, Pet Nanny Coach, and that's it. (laughs) Wonderful. Yeah. And and we'll have links to all those in the show notes for the episode and on our blog post on our website. So people can definitely find you and go check you out there because there's a ton of amazing resources. So. Ah, thanks, Colin. Yes, so thank you again. Anytime. I'd love to do it yeah, again. I'd love to have you back on and, and have some more focused questions and, uh, you know, maybe have some listener questions too, to address some certain things and just catch up and, and see how everything's going as things start to open back up yeah. and, and what the actual industry looks like and how it's shaped and, and how people are reacting to all of this. I'm optimistic yeah. that I will tell you, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I, you know, you touched on the people hiring or people getting all these dogs and all this stuff. And so like, there's this weird thing where the, the, the market has grown kind of behind closed doors. Right. Uh, and, and once those doors open, even if it's halfway from what they were, because more people are working from home, you still have all this, you still have all this new need that was previously not there. Exactly. And then yeah. you need to be, we need to be there ready for them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, to 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 fill that. So, uh, Colleen, thank you um, very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Colleen's enthusiasm and positive outlook for the future is so contagious. And like we said, being positive or saying staying positive 
doesn't mean that we have to ignore everything else going on. That's literally impossible these days and is very unhealthy for us. What it means is looking at what control we do have over our surroundings, looking at where we can make changes, and having to accept the areas that we don't. Both Megan and I are so thankful and appreciative of Colleen coming on and sharing how her 2020 has been so far. Many of us can relate in as much as that we are experiencing this emotion fatigue where there's so much going on. I've talked about it to, to Megan before of how I don't think we as humans were designed to experience global pandemics and national phenomenons and be able to absorb that and take it in emotionally and still be okay. I really appreciate Colleen describing her mindfulness tactics and things that she is doing to protect her energy and to protect her spirit during these emotional and these tumultuous times. Something that I believe will be very beneficial for not just her, but for all of us as we exercise that moving forward to be more resilient and to have a stronger foundation moving forward. As many of us open back up, those times are not that far off. And once again, Megan and I are so excited and so happy to see all of the adorable dogs that you all are posting on Instagram. It really helps brighten our days. We would like to thank our sponsor for this episode, Time to Pet, for making it and all the shows possible. If you'd like to get connected with us, reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. We're at Petsitter Confessional. Send us an email, feedback at petsitterconfessional.com, or you can call us. I do have this phone number in my phone now. So our number is 636 636- Three six four eight two six zero. We would love to hear from you and how you are doing. 